Thanks for being here tonight. And uh, I hope you... <laughs> That's right. That's right. We've upped it to 10. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, I hope you've had a good uh, you know, week so far, and the Lord's blessing you. Uh, I wanted to share with you, I just got off the phone, the reason I came in late, I was on the, on the phone with Andrea Hatfield, and if you know Andrea, she and Todd are part of our fellowship, and her mother, uh, Donna Bass, as well. And uh, Donna uh, took ill last week really bad, was in the hospital at Sebastian in ICU, intubated, came off the intubation, but then kind of took a downturn. They put her back, they intubated her again, and, and she passed away uh, yesterday morning. And so uh, I, I wanted to share with you, those of you who knew Donna, what a wonderful, godly woman she was. And I'm so excited that I get to do the, the service for her. Uh, let me tell you what's happening. The viewing will be Monday night uh, at Strunk Funeral Home from 6 to 8. If you want to write that down, Monday night, 6 to 8. I'm sorry, I think it's the one in Sebastian. Or in the one, I'm sorry, the one in Bureau. Yeah, I believe. Uh, and then on Tuesday, that's Monday night, Tuesday at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, they are going up to um, New Hope Ministries, which is a church in Winter Beach. If you put it in, it'll, it'll come up on your, on your uh, Google map. And that service is at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. That's where we'll have the service at, 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 uh, at New Hope in Winter Beach. So that's the news there. I wanted to share that with you. I'm sorry? It's open to the church family. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So, okay, got that done. Uh, that was important to do. I told Andrea we'd be praying for her and her family. They're, they're all coming in, gathering this weekend. Let's also be lifting up the missions weekend that's coming. And I, I didn't say hi to the live stream audience. Good to have you with us tonight. And uh, those who cannot be here or who live long distance, maybe you live up north and uh, you're in our prayers with the cold. Uh, we're, we've got our jackets on and I don't know, maybe it's 70 what? 78 degrees or something. I don't know. It's what? Right now? No. When I came in, what was it? 63, 64. Okay. All right, boy, that's terrible. My goodness, 64 degrees. Um, so, so this weekend is the missions uh, weekend, which is just such a big thing at Bureau Bible Fellowship. Once a year, we invite missionaries and or, uh, or uh, leaders of organizations of missions to come. We support about, a, about 10 missions organizations uh, across the globe and even some that are local. We, we, I know we, we uh, support Missionary Flights International, which is right out of our own region, but we support some incredible ministries. You're going to hear some great speakers. I want to encourage you to come out on Saturday night and then again Sunday morning. We're going to have a great, great weekend. Uh, is there... Where is the Saturday night? It's happening at the school. And what time, Deb? At 6 o'clock, not 6.30, which is their typical meet. Okay, 6 o'clock 
Saturday night, and then of course our regular service on Sunday. Ah, good. Thank you, Vicky. So there's a there's a dessert fellowship from six to six thirty. So that changes everything. Some of you were saying I'll be there at at six, you know, six thirty. Uh, yeah, that's right. All right, good. Uh, let's go ahead and start with prayer tonight. You know, we started the series on Sunday uh, about uh, big questions, and we dealt with a really tough one on Sunday, and uh, tonight is no different. In fact, tonight is so uh, so large that it encompasses so much that we're not even going to get to the second part or even finish the first part of this question uh, of how does why does God allow evil and suffering. So we're going to focus in tonight on the evil aspect. And uh, I, I hope you brought a Bible. If you didn't, that's okay. We're not here to criticize or condemn you for that. But uh, you might want to have a pencil or a pen or a piece of paper and write down the scriptures because we're going to let the Word of God speak tonight. Whatever we believe, whatever our, 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 our uh, biblical worldview is, it should come from the Bible shouldn't come from somebody who you like to hear them talk about the Bible. It comes from the Bible itself. That's where we find our answers. That's where truth is absolute. There's no man that has absolute truth. Only the Bible has it. So we're going to do that tonight. So let's begin with prayer. Father, we lift up to you tonight uh, the Halffield and the Bass family as they are preparing for the homecoming service the celebration of life of their mother, their, their uh, wife. Uh, so many family friends will be coming to that service. I pray that you would just make it a special time and comfort those in the family, encourage their hearts, those who are friends. And I pray that, Lord, your word this week, uh, on, on Tuesday at the service will speak life into the people. And we give you praise for that. Lord, we also lift up the missionaries who are coming, or the organizational leaders. We pray for the missions weekend, that, Lord, it would be well attended and that it would set a fire in our belly for the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we hear what our brothers and sisters are experiencing and doing in other parts of the world. And so let that be a special time as well. And then, Lord, we do pray tonight that as we study the word, uh, we, would, we would be changed by it, transformed. And maybe there's some concepts that we have adopted about you that are false assumptions. We've always thought it. We've heard it from the pulpit. Uh, but it's not in the Bible. And so tonight, Lord, set us straight. Let us see the truth for what it is and come to rejoice over the character and the nature of our God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we really chose an easy question. Why does God allow evil and suffering uh, in the world? Uh, it's a very important question. This is a question that many people will say is the reason why they cannot believe. Is because when they ask this question, they don't like the answer. Uh, or they can't come to an answer that makes sense. There are agnostics. You ever notice an agnostic will tell you without question. They'll stand up and I'm an agnostic. They're, they're proud of the fact that they're agnostic. You know what agnostic means in Latin? 
ignoramus. Who would ever be proud of being ignorant? But that's but there are agnostics who, uh, especially when it comes to eternal things, uh, they really struggle with the idea of God and evil. Um, one of the arguments for why they can't believe God, one of them is with with all the evil and suffering in the world, how can God be good? With all the negative, all the suffering, all the evil, how is it possible that God is good? Because that's what we say. God is good. God is holy. God is just. God is gracious. God is loving. And all of that is we're getting from the Bible. But they're saying, and I'm getting echo too. I don't know, Brandon, if we got an issue there, but... Um, they're saying, no, it doesn't make sense. He can't be good if all this evil's in the world, and it is. Uh, one of the justifications for why biblical liberal scholars and skeptics, uh, they're unable to accept Scripture, is because they can't reconcile or resolve the issue of God being good and loving, wise, kind, powerful, yet the world being dominated by evil in every form and in every way. You say all these things about God, how wonderful, how good, and everything. And so they're, they're saying, okay, mm, I get this, okay, God is, and then I see this, and I'm like, you're not making sense. Have any of you ever run into anybody like that when you've tried to explain? Okay, yeah, it happens a lot. It happens a lot. And thank God when you do get caught up in those conversations. If you're not getting caught up in those conversations, chances are you're not saying enough. We should be able to speak what we know is true in the Bible. Well, tonight what I hope to do is, is put ammo in your gun. Okay, The ammo is the Word of God. And uh, I, I want you to be able to not, not hurt anybody with it, not beat somebody up with it, but know how to properly divide the word of truth so that those people can't confound you, but your answers from the Bible confound them. Okay? And then you get to the real reason why they don't believe in God. Because what they're telling you is the reason isn't the real reason. So, so let's go ahead. And some will, be, will believe. There will be some who, when you explain from Scripture, God will turn the light on. They'll, they'll be saved. A lot of them, mm -mm, they're not interested in that. That's not why they're asking you the question. It's more rhetorical than anything else. Now, let's get into this. Uh, I've even heard Christians state, you know, God's just a good God, this, that, and the other. And then I've heard the comeback question is, if God is all-loving, all-good, all-holy, all-knowing, all-powerful, then explain to me evil. Okay, so you're telling me God's good, but you got to explain evil because it's here and it's real and everybody experiences it. Most Christians are ill-prepared to give an answer. They would rather punt the ball on first down. They'd rather punt. And that's sad. But yet there's a reason why they're punting. It's because maybe they've never been told from Scripture the answers to give back. And I don't want you to be the one that's punting on first down. I want you to drive the ball down the field. 
from the word standpoint, letting truth speak and helping those people to experience a victorious touchdown, a spiritual touchdown, you know. Uh, but it is, so it is, it is difficult. Uh, it's been a difficulty. Now, Deuteronomy 29, 29. This is an answer that a lot of Christians give when some, they can't answer the question. When somebody asks a question, they can't answer. Or they think they answer it, and then the person comes back, and the, and the second question causes even greater confusion for the Christian. So here's what we say. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. Put it in that category. It's just one of those secret things. I want to tell you something. Why God allows suffering and evil in this world is not a secret. God gives full disclosure in the Bible for why evil and suffering exist in the world. I don't know that a lot of you are going to like the answer tonight, and we will get to the answer, but we won't, we won't, won't unpack that answer. Okay? But we should be able to give an answer, and so I'm going to help you. Yes? Oh, Deuteronomy 29.29. 29. Generally, what the answer is from a Christian when somebody says, why does God allow suffering and evil? In, te in context, the answer is from the Christian, well, uh, evil's always, evil's, he didn't start evil. They try to get God off the hook. The last thing they want, a Christian wants, is for God to be responsible for evil and suffering to exist in this world. Have you found yourself doing that? Where your, your response is, well, I can tell you it's not God's fault. Okay? And uh, that, that's just typical. It's, it's, and generally, that's the answer we give when we really haven't come to conclusions that the Bible makes gives disclosure of. So if God's so then you say, well, God's not responsible. And then their, their comeback is going to be, oh, so is it the devil's responsibility? If it is, why did God allow the devil to exist? I mean, there's no way out of this, folks. Okay? Why did God create angels knowing they would fall? Now, to get to the answer that we all seek from Scripture, let me give you some bullet points tonight. I'm only going to cover two, and then the third one I'll give to you, but we won't answer it. We're going to come back next Wednesday. Are we free next Wednesday to be here? Okay, so next Wednesday we'll come back and we'll continue uh, with the third bullet point, okay? Okay, number one, keep it simple at first. Evil exists. You're like, uh, tell me something I don't know, right? Would all of us agree to that point? Evil exists. You would have to agree unless you're part of the Christian science cult because they don't believe evil exists in the world. And uh, what's weird about the Christian science is that they're neither Christian nor are they scientific, but they call themselves Christian science. That's kind of like uh, great nuts cereal. There's no grapes and there's no nuts, but it's called great nuts. What we walk away with, and when we think about it, this is a dangerous earth to live on. <laughs> I mean, there's really not a whole lot of places you can go and not have some 
natural disaster that shows up every once in a while. You think, oh, I'm going to Hawaii. Uh, it's called, Earth, it's called uh, what? Volcanoes. There really isn't any place you can go. Okay? Now, one of these days, I am going to preach a sermon on global warming. Um, let me tell you what the Bible says about global warming. You want to write it down? The heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Uh, there is going to be a global warming, but it will not be man's responsibility. It will happen. So, surviving in this world isn't easy because of natural evil. Now, Romans 8.22, write it down. Here it is. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. So, all of creation is groaning until now. Why? Because of the fall. Not because of the way God made the heavens and the earth, but after He made man and woman, there was a fall. Now, that's the first type of evil, natural evil. A second type of evil, moral evil. Moral evil is personal. It is internal. It is spiritual. It's wickedness. It's sin. It's transgression. And it dominates the human race. Everything you see happening that is evil on the news, most of it is because of the wickedness in the heart of man. Okay? I'm not just talking about moral evil that you hear about on the news or in government. I'm talking about a moral evil that is so massive, so unlimited in its reach, that every single human heart, every single human heart is dominated and controlled by this force. Now, obviously, I'm not talking about Christians here. I'm talking about before you were saved. You weren't born saved. You were born with that evil. It's the doctrine of total depravity. You were totally depraved, apart from God, lost in your sin, dead, scripturally speaking. Now, Romans 3.10 says, None is righteous. No, not, not one. The Bible says that. No human being is righteous. Genesis 6, 5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every, every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. This is the state of every human being before they are saved by Christ. They are depraved in that sense apart from God, can't find God, can't come to God on His terms without Him calling them, without Him drawing them by the Spirit. All they have in them, every intention of the thoughts of the heart, are only evil continuously. That's in Genesis 6-5. So what did God do? He flooded the earth. You say, how many people were killed in the flood? Uh, they estimate between anywhere from 10 million to 100 million people died. He wiped out the entire human race except for one family. Why? Because 
we were that evil in our intents, in our heart. So uh, that's really amazing. Uh, all these immoral sinners trying to survive in a fallen world, that's who we are, colliding with each other in malfunctioning marriages, school systems, all kinds of corporate models and school systems and, 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 and corporations that in their heart are even, there's evil. I'm not saying that, there's, that, that all corporations are evil. I'm saying that there's evil in probably all. Uh, I, I believe there is evil that exists in the FBI. I'm not saying the FBI is evil. Please understand that. I'm not saying the CIA is evil, but evil does exist in that organization. Evil exists in police departments, but that doesn't mean that police departments are evil. You need to remember that. One bad, evil act of a policeman should never in your mind wipe out the concept of, the, of those in the police force that are doing something good. They're actually representing God. They're trying to bring... To, to, they're trying to hinder evil in the world. And that's the vast majority of policemen. But I'm, I am saying that evil exists everywhere. It's in friendships. It's in relationships. If you turn, and listen, the TV shows that some of us watch, we shouldn't be watching. You know why? Because there's such blatant evil on those shows. Why would anybody want to watch a show some kind of a, I don't know if it's a reality TV show or what, about a man who marries four or five different women. That's popular. People want to watch it. Why? <laughs> the intent of the heart is evil, right? Uh, it's, it's evil. It's evil. You know, if you look at it, I mean, you can't go to a concert where there's not evil. You really can't do a whole lot of anything without evil. And look, that doesn't mean you stop doing everything. It doesn't. It just means know that evil exists. It's all around you. The TV itself is not evil. But there's a lot of evil on TV, right? Understanding that. So here we are, these immoral sinners trying to survive in a fallen world, and we've got all this stuff going against us. Uh, thirdly, so that's so first of all, God is, uh, God exists. I'm, I'm sorry, we're still in point one. God exists. Uh, but within that point, as we look at that, uh, we've talked about, let me see what the first point was in that. Uh, yeah, the natural evil. We talked about there's a natural evil. We talked about that there's a moral evil. There's another one. It's called a supernatural evil. Okay, and there's one more after that one, if you can believe it. But there's a, there's a moral evil, there's a supernatural evil. Uh, this is not only the evil that is in the heart of man, but there is an evil that exists in demonic beings that are as old as creation. These are spiritual entities who by their own disposition and spiritual nature are corrupt. These evil spirits, they're liars and they're deceivers. Let me give you a passage. 1 John 5, 19, the latter part of the verse says, The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Okay? In Revelation chapter 12, you'd have to read the chapter, but it tells of a, 
tells us that a third of the holy angels that God created in heaven fell. One third. I'm sorry? Revelation 12. Yes. And they represent the force of demons who develop their ideologies, the fortresses that become the tombs of many, many people. They are very much at work in this world. It's interesting, in 2 Corinthians 10, uh, Paul describes these, these demonic forces as these vile beings who really, before Jesus arrived, were more clandestine. You don't read a whole lot about evil spirits in the Old Testament. Did you notice that? And the reason for that is because Jesus comes on the scene for three years in His ministry, and even when He was young, and He exposes the reality of the spirit realm. As soon as He's baptized, Satan meets up with Him in the, in the wilderness, right, and tempts Him. He travels from town to town, casting out what? Demons. Okay, those are not exorcisms. If you watch an exorcism, when man does an exorcism, there's this struggle, there's this fight, and it goes on for sometimes days. Jesus never had to worry about any of that stuff. He'd speak it, and bam, they would come out immediately. Absolutely. They knew who he was, and they, they had a respect for him as the Son of God. And so... These evil spirits are liars and deceivers. Um, they, they, let me see, Let, let's talk about this. To understand that sometimes God allows these effects of evil to, to work in this world. And in fact, he, he even orders up evil at times. If you go to the book of Job, God ordered that up, that Job would be tempted the way he was by Satan and tormented by Satan. Peter and Paul also were directly buffeted by evil spirits, by, by messengers of Satan. So to understand their place in God's sovereign creation, God has given these demonic spirits, He's given Satan a temporary delegated authority in this world. Satan is called in this New Testament the, the prince of the power of the air. He's a prince in this world. God gave him that authority. Satan wouldn't have any authority if God hadn't given it to him. Okay, He has a temporary right to rule over the world system. So you have an evil, you have evil on a natural level, you have evil on a human level, that's moral evil, and then you have evil on a supernatural level with the forces of demons who use their powers to seduce and deceive humanity and to fight the purposes of God. And they primarily involve uh, in the development of false religious systems is where they find, is really where they, they show up. Um, they, are, they really are good at building demonic doctrines. They are really sophisticated, quite honestly. Um, you don't believe it? You ever heard of the Mormon Tabernacle Choir? Celebrated. Great choir. Um, 
do you know that Mormonism is not Christian in any way, shape, or form, even though they say they are? They've really, the last 30 years, they've worked overtime trying to convince people that they're Christian. Uh, they're closer to Hinduism than they are to Christian. You say, why? Because Hindus have thousands of gods. Mormons believe in thousands of God. They don't even put God of creation as the head or the, the main God. They believe another God created the God of creation. They believe that they, the Mormons, are gods. They're little gods. And one day they'll go off and they'll have their own little planet and they'll be able to have large harems of women and live life to the fullest. It's in their Bible, the Mormon Bible. They don't want you to know that, but it is. So, so that's a deception of Satan. Demonic forces are very good at that. I could, I could call out a lot of organizations, a lot of, all religions are, are, they come about because of the lies of Satan. Okay? So, moving on. Let's keep moving here. Um, Ephesians 6.12, Paul said, Ephesians 6.12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. So right there you see in the heavenlies, in this demonic heavenly world, you see structure, you see order. They are organized and they have a structure. They have a plan. Now, that's, that's the third type of evil. It's supernatural evil. Now, let's, what about the fourth one? Anybody want to take a guess what the fourth evil is on the earth? And, and, and really for eternity. The evil of hell. That will not stop when you die. If you don't know the Lord, you will spend eternity in hell and the sheer, utter, unmitigated evil that you'll experience there will be for all eternity. Wow. So point one is evil exists. Now let's go to point two. We've covered the four types of evil, uh, but evil exists. Now let's cover number, point number two. God exists. God exists. Let me give you some scripture about God's existence, what we know about God. Uh, it says, uh, well, first of all, He is the one true and living God. He is the God who was revealed in Scripture because this Bible is His own self-disclosure. He is making Himself known to us through the Bible. There is no other ancient manuscript, there's no other religion, there's nothing else that describes God. This book is where he chose to give self-discovery, okay? Uh, scripture tells us that he is the only God, that he is the triune God. Write that down, triune God. What that means is one God in three persons. Let me tell you what it does not mean. It does not mean three gods in three persons. One God in three persons. All three are the same God. Okay? Uh, 
And the Bible also tells us not only is he triune, but we also know from Scripture that he is absolutely sovereign. Now, what does an absolute mean? It means that there's no other options. It means there's no other possibilities. It's absolute. Um, when people come to you, they hate you speaking in absolute terms about God. They speak to you with relative terms. Well, for that person, God is this. So if you ask a person, like, just ask them this question. So um, what, do you, what does it make you feel when you hear somebody quote the Bible and say what Jesus said, I and the Father are one, and then he said, there's no other way to the Father except through me. They hate it. Oh, I don't like that. I, I do not like that. Because I don't know this guy over here, but he might be, you know, he might be in the, be in the Taoism, and who am I to say that what he believes is wrong? See, they don't want an absolute situation. They only want, they want relativism. And that leads in the university for the students today to allow you to be whatever you want to be because they get to be whatever they want to be. And nobody should judge you, and we should tolerate everybody. So if I said to you, uh, this is um, a chair, they would say, well, if that's what you say it is. If I said to them, um, this, this is a, an animal, it's a donkey, they wouldn't laugh. They'd say, well, for you, it's a donkey. They accept and tolerate what you feel that is. That's relative truth. You can't base life on relative truth. You can never come to right uh, beliefs from wrong assumptions, right? And so the Bible gives absolute truth. And the absolute truth about God is this. He is sovereign. He's sovereign. And so let me explain that to you. It means he abs he's absolutely in charge of everything. You cannot be sovereign over all and not have charge over all. This is a real disconnect for a lot of Christians because we'll accept that he's sovereign. He's in control. My God's in control. He's on the throne. He's got it together. But then when we think about everything that happens is under his sovereign control, that's where the struggle comes in. And that's when we start saying things like, well, he allows certain things, bad things to happen as if he's weakened in his sovereignty in those areas. He's strong as a sovereign in his sovereign power. He's strong in his sovereign knowledge of everything. But really, he, he, he doesn't hold uh, sovereignty over evil. He, he, he's weakened in that. He doesn't allow himself to be strong in that. He just allows evil. So there again, you're trying to separate evil from God. Okay? Um, but he is sovereign. When you see a rainbow today... It means something completely different than what God said it should mean. 
to a Christian every time you see a rainbow. I don't care if it's on a flag somebody's walking and protesting with. If you see a rainbow, it should cause you to think about one thing, the promise of God. As Christians, every time you see a rainbow, it should remind you that the world will not be destroyed by global warming. It will not be destroyed by man's undoing. Genesis 8.22, write it down, Genesis 8.22. While the earth remains seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, shall not cease. They're going to tell you a lot of things that don't line up with that. But you just go back to Genesis 8.22. While the earth remains, these things shall not cease until God lights the fire and burns up the earth and the heavens. Until He does that, it's going to be here. Doesn't that bring comfort to you? When you turn on your news at night and they're running the stories of latest breaking story of seals that are now having to move south into the Atlantic because the snow caps, the, the oh my goodness. Isn't that amazing? So here, here's the deal. The way it will all come down in the end is all to God's determination. Nobody else. And I don't know what you're going to call it. I don't know how. But basically, for, no, for lack of a better word, it's like an atomic implosion. An implosion. Something like that. That's going to happen. But that's God's doing. Turn to 1 Chronicles. Chapter 29, 1 Chronicles 29, pick up at verse 11. Listen to this, 1 Chronicles 29, 11, and I'll read verse 12 as well. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above everything except evil. No, it doesn't say that. It says, 1 Chronicles 29, 11. It says, O Lord, you and you, and you are exalted as head above all. What has it talked about here in context when it says all? Heavens and earth. Verse 12, both riches and honor come from you, and you rule, <laughs> excuse me, over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Turn, if you want, you can, but just write it down, a very short verse. Psalm 115, verse 3. Psalm 115, verse 3. Listen to this. Our God is in the heavens. He does all that He pleases. That's pretty concise, you know. Daniel chapter 4, verse 35, all the way through. Yeah, just verse 35. We'll stop there. 
Daniel 4.35, all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. And he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? Now take that passage, let me read it one more time, and I want you to put that up against the, that's the backdrop for what the modern uh the modern church, elements of the modern church, not all modern Christians, but there, there are elements in Christendom that are absolutely, it's folic. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, it's folly. Okay, listen to this. All the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? And you've got, uh, what's his name, uh, Copeland. Kenneth Copeland, on the television screen when COVID comes out, by the authority given me, I command you to stop and go away. There was another preacher who did that with his wife, stood there, I command you, and he died of COVID. Man does not control God. Man is not a bunch of little gods that God's given the same power that he possesses and the same sovereignty that he possesses to speak whatever man wants. And that's what a lot of in the in the church today, this name it, claim it, frame it, bunk. I mean, if you think about it, uh, this word of faith, don't speak it, don't speak it. Oh my goodness, don't speak that negative word. Are you kidding me? I don't have any power in my words. To change the course. One path is Womack. I don't even know. Womack. He actually said, I can't prove this scientifically, but I have commanded tornadoes to cease. And they've ceased. Come on. That's man making himself out to be God. That's man skipping a lot of scripture here. This scripture doesn't say that. You can't say to God, it says here, you can't stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? So what does that tell you? Two things. You can't change what God's going to do, and God's the one doing it. Scripture repeatedly tells us that God is absolutely sovereign. I hope you can embrace that fact. I hope that brings comfort to you. It brings joy to my heart to know that God is sovereign. I was on the phone today heading south to receive a treatment because of uh, uh, getting some work done. And, and uh, I've, I've been in a lot of pain the last nine weeks, and it really has never stopped. It's just constant. Um, and somebody was trying to just sympathize, empathize with me. You know, they were being so kind. And I said, well, let me tell you. They said, we're going to speak that against that. And I said, you know, honestly, let me tell you how I'm praying. Lord, thy will be done. God gave the apostle Paul a thorn in the flesh, and Paul three times came to God and said, would you please remove that? And God said, nope, because in your weakness, I am strong. That's the only way I can keep you humble, Paul, is to give you a little pain. See, God sees all, knows all, and is behind all. 
That doesn't sit well with some of us in our doctrine. It's truth. Let me, let's just keep going here for a minute, okay? Deuteronomy 32, 39. Deuteronomy 32, 39. See now that I, even I, am He, and there is no God beside me. I kill, listen, I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. And there is none that can deliver out of my hand. Exodus 4.11. Exodus 4.11. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes man mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? See, these are scriptures that are messing with you in your concept of God. Psalm 105, verse 16. If you'll stay with me and let the scripture pour over you, that's really what I'm trying to do is let the word of God just pour over you, saturate you. So you begin to see God the way He describes Himself in the Bible. Psalm 105, verse 16 through 19. Psalm 105, 16 through 19. When He summoned a famine on the land and broke all supply of bread. Who summoned? God brought the famine. He had sent a man ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. Did that happen without God's knowledge or ability to change it? God allowed that. His feet were hurt with fetters. His neck was put in a collar of iron until what he had said came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. God was doing something in all of it. 2 Kings 17.25. 2 Kings 17.25. And at the beginning of their dwelling there, they did not fear the Lord. Therefore... The Lord sent lions among them, which killed some of them. Who did that? Remember what the world's asking you. Why does God allow evil? And your answer is, well, it's not God's fault. Man's the one that sinned. So when the evil happens, it's because of man's sin that that evil happens in the world today. You're, you're not being accurate. You're just... You're just spewing what somebody told you. Therefore the Lord sent lions among them, which killed some of them. So for all the folks who are trying to get God off the hook, um, the Bible says God's happy to remain on the hook. He's not looking for you to remove Him. He takes full responsibility. Why? Because He exists and because He is sovereign. Lamentation. This is a passage that we don't look at often. Lamentation 3 37 and 38, Lamentation 3, 37, <laughs> excuse me, and 38. Who has spoken, and it came to pass, unless the Lord has commanded it? Is it not the mouth of the Most High that good and bad come? Listen now. Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that good and bad come? Some of you right now are thinking, wait a minute, then why even ask for healing? Because God's going to do what He wants to do. I, I believe God has created prayer, and God is a healing God. That is one of His attributes. It's not His main one. It's not even close to the main one. I mean, if you really want to get down to it, it's, it's holiness, number one. 
and then there's love, and then there's mercy, and there's grace. And inside of that mercy, inside of that grace, there are times where we should ask God for healing, and there are times where God administers healing. Isn't that wonderful? But what about the times when you ask the same way that somebody was healed to somebody else, and it doesn't happen? And now you're in a, you're in a real pickle because you place your faith in the healing power of God instead of in the God who can heal. It's a dangerous place to be. We always should pray and, and ask, make our requests, be careful in nothing but in everything with prayer and supplication. Let your requests be made known to God. But in the end, God's will is going to be done. And sometimes it's healing. Praise God when it is. Man, I shout, you know, yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, Barbara understands what I'm saying. Cindy, uh, Cindy Dampier knows what we're talking about. Many of you have experienced the healing of God, and we celebrate with you. But I, it's not fair to try to say God always heals because he doesn't. The Scripture says, many are the afflictions, listen to this, of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. They weren't delivered, they died. What happened when they died if they're righteous? Believe me, they're delivered. Yes. Oh, wow. No. God has total sovereignty, and we have to rest in that in the end. Amen? Okay. Yes. What about suicide? Well, no. Uh, there's many reasons why people uh, commit suicide. Some they do out of selfishness and out of uh, sin. I mean, they, 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 it's a direct sin, what they do. Uh, but others don't know. They don't have full capacity in their mind. Maybe they're on medications. Maybe they came off of medications that they needed to stay on, and they could take their life. And so we don't know. But if somebody is truly saved, truly saved, uh, I do not believe they lose heaven because of a suicide. But, yeah. But I also believe the Bible says those who endure to the end will be saved. And what that means is not that you have to do work in order to be saved. It means that if you are truly saved, your desire is to endure to the end and not, not quit. I think he, I think he plants thoughts. Yeah, I, I mean, I think he, he influences. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And there could be a lot of reasons why somebody would come to that conclusion, thinking it's either God or Satan speaking. Well, let's keep on track. And the reason for it, well, at the end, can we come back to whatever questions? Live stream cannot hear what you're saying. They're missing the blessing. Uh, they're not being edified right now by what we're saying in the room because they can't hear it. I'm, we're not wired correctly. If we had a house mic that was hanging in the middle of the room, then they would be able to participate. So I want to go back to what we're doing. And let's just finish this part up. We're about done. What time is it? Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, so... Uh, so 2 Kings 17.25, at the beginning of their dwelling there, they did not fear the Lord, therefore the Lord sent lions. Lamentations, we covered that one. Uh, let's keep going here. Uh, I, I, just, I, get, I think the point is with all those passages, I don't know how anybody could miss the fact that God Himself is making it clear that He's responsible for evil existing. I didn't say he's, that he is evil. He's responsible for evil existing. When that person says to you, well, why did God allow Satan to even exist? There's answers, and we're going to cover it next week. But don't say, well, he did, you know, it's, it got, kind of got by God, or uh, who, weird answers that Christians give. Trying to protect God. God doesn't look, he's not looking for your protection. I just read a ton of scriptures to you that let you know he's not looking for protection. Let me read these quickly. Write them down if you're, if you're, right, if you're right fast. Job 23, 13. He is unchangeable, and who can turn him back? What he desires, that he does. Psalm 33, 9 through 11. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing, he frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of His heart to all generations. Psalm 103, 19. The Lord has established His throne in the heavens and His kingdom rules over all. Isaiah 14, 27. For the Lord of hosts has purposed and who will annul it? His hand is stretched out and who will turn it back? Isaiah 46, 9 through 10. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. 1 Samuel 2, 6 through 8. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down the Sheol and He raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and He exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and on them He has set the world. Is there any doubt Amos 3, 6, is a trumpet blown in a city and the people are not afraid? Does disaster come to a city, listen, unless the Lord has done it? These are passages where God takes full responsibility for the existence of evil. Since He is God, 
He exists and He is in control. He is sovereign. But don't miss a very important point. Evil, all the evil that's on the earth, is not in any way, shape, or form disrupting the plan of God. It is in the plan of God. And that's where it really becomes hard to, why? We're going to answer it next week. But let me go ahead and give you the third point tonight. Okay? Here it is. Boy, this is going to, some of you, your palms are going to get sweaty. The hair is going to stand up on the back of your neck. You're going to, your breathing is going to speed up, you know, and you're going to be in serious trouble here. Here it, here it is. God wills evil to exist. God wills evil to exist. Let me just read a couple passages for you. Isaiah 45, 5 through 7. And we're going to break all this down next week because there's a lot to it. And when we're done with this, believe me, church, you're going to know why. You're going to have, a first of all, an absolute comfort and confidence in the greatness of your God. And you'll be able to speak truthful about God to people. Okay. Isaiah 45, 5 through 7. Here it is. I am the Lord, and there is no other besides me. There is no God. I equip you, though you do not know me, that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west, and from the west that, there is be, that there is none beside, besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Verse 7. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity, trouble. I am the Lord who does all these things. How come that passage isn't underlined in your Bible? For many of us, we never even knew it existed, did we? Let me give you one more. Isaiah 45, 9 through 13. Isaiah 45, 9 through 13. Woe to him who strives with him who formed him. A pot among earthen pots. Does the clay say to him who forms it, What are you making? Or your work has no handles. Woe to him who says to a father, What are you begetting? Or to a woman, With what are you are you in labor? Thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, and the one who formed him. Ask me of things to come. Will you command me concerning my children and the work of my hands? I made the earth and created man on it. It was my hands that stretched out the heavens, and I commanded all their hosts. God is not to be questioned for why and what He does or what He allows. Now that's hard, really hard, when it hits close to home. But listen, you cannot turn to the world for answers. You have to go back to the Word of God and let the Bible bring a sense of connection to that mooring in the water so that your life, your sailboat, doesn't just drift off in the wind with the storm that you're facing. You have to go to the Word of God and get a clear picture who God is, 
what God is allowed to do, anything He wants. Now, next week we're going to add and help you understand from Scripture how God uses evil and suffering in this world. And how I'm going to give you a clue. Okay, I'll give you this much tonight because I don't want you to go home really frustrated and upset, mad at me for not going further, okay? Um, everything that exists on this earth, God allows. God is behind it for one reason, for His glory. His main concern when you face tragedy, He does want to comfort you. Jesus is, is a comforter. The Word of God is filled with wonderful passages to comfort us in our time of loss. But the number one priority in death, in destruction, in calamity, in suffering, in pain, is bringing glory to God. And I'm just learning in a very, very little tiny way more and more about that in my own life. Because there's a lot of people who are suffering so much worse than I've ever thought of suffering. But even in that little bit of pain that I've been living with, today, as I was on the phone with someone, I said, to God be the glory. If He has me here, in this place, all is well. I mean it. Why? Because my God exists, and my God is sovereign. And He even lets me come and ask for healing. And I do, and I thank God for that privilege. But I rest in His sovereignty, because it will bring glory to Him. How I speak to people, how I live my life, even with pain, Speak, it, can either, it can either bring glory to me or sympathy or I can, I can conduct myself under His will, under His desires, and out of it, it'll bring glory to Him. And the same is true in your lives. So next week, we will break down how God uses evil and suffering in this world, okay? We bit off quite a bit tonight. Anybody else had questions?